Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. All right, this is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast in prime time. Prime time podcasting from the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rappaport. You could call me Michael Pacino because today is Al Pacino, the great, the icon. Al Pacino turned 78 today, and we are going to celebrate him. We are going to discuss him. Smash Mouth Podcasting in primetime. I'm going solo on that ass. We're going to talk about Al Pacino in hip-hop, Al Pacino as an actor. NBA playoffs are underway, and the NFL draft is Thursday, okay? And I'm going to give you my senior fantasy football analyst picks. All that and more on a brand new I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Oh, and I forgot... My main man, 50 Grand, you've seen him in so many goddamn movies. My man, Kevin Corrigan, you'll recognize his voice, you recognize the face. He was in Goodfellas, he was in The Departed, he was in Pineapple Express, he was with me in True Romance. He's been in, yo, he might have been in up to 100 films. One of the best actors, one of the most unique actors doing it. Television shows, films, he was on the show The Get Down. My main man, Kevin Corrigan, is going to break down... The great Al Pacino with me. We're going to talk about Al. We're going to tell some true romance stories. All that and more. Primetime podcasting coming up next. Miles Jordan. 
Let me get some funk. I'm going to do the damn thing. And I'm going to pass it off to my main man, Kevin Corrigan, from the Boogie Down Bronx. And let's go. You want to have a good time, you got to have a good shirt. Okay, and untuck it is a fantastic shirt. 99.9% of the time when you see me, the gringo mandingo, in public, on television, on the sidelines, for the big three, I am wearing a beautiful, fantastic, untuck it shirt. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. It's not the early 90s. You may think it's a good look, but it's not, okay? You might think it, it looks cute, but trust me, it looks sloppy. You look ridiculous. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. That's right, dress shirts, casual shirts. And I'm telling you, not only do they look good, they feel great. If you are a woman wishing you can have one of these, well, Untuck It now makes shirts for women also. Log on to untuckit.com and check out all the new arrivals. Use the promo code CHAMP, that's because I'm the champ, for 20% off your entire purchase. You can also visit one of Untucket's over 25 retail locations across the country. Stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt. It looks crazy. It's 2018. You got to look lean. You got to look mean. You got to look clean. Okay? And you got to look correct. And the best way to wear a dress shirt is an untucket. Untuck It shirt. Go to untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use the promo code CHAMP for 20% savings. Go to untuckit.com. And trust me, you're going to look like a million bucks, but you're going to spend next to nothing. Untuckit.com. My name is Michael Rappaport, as I told you, a.k.a. the Jake Lamotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the Jeff Rulin of podcasting. Today, you could call me Mike Pacino, the great Al Pacino. What an influence. What, a, 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 what an incredible influence. Turned 78 today. I woke up this morning and saw it uh, on social media that Al Pacino turned 78, and I said, no, no. Whatever, whatever plans... We had for today's primetime podcast, we're changing it. We have to articulate and celebrate this man while he's here, while he's alive. Yo, this guy means so much. Any any actor, first I'm talking about the actors, because the fans have a whole other point of view on it. Any actor will fawn, will stutter, will stammer, will, will get flustered, will blush. Um, their heart will, will, will skip a beat. Literally. Actor or actress. Uh, talking about Al Pacino, um, he he means that much. I mean, there there's a bunch of great ones, um, but Al Pacino, you know, whether you equate him to to Michael Jordan, to Babe Ruth, to Van Gogh, to the Beatles, to Run DMC, to to whatever you you want to equate it, Al Pacino is that. He's a game changing actor. He, 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 and obviously uh, Marlon Brando, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Duvall, um, and a handful of other actors, um, they changed the game. They changed the game. They brought that method acting 
into the fold, that reality uh, that you could you could touch. It went from uh, the, the guys before them, the Humphrey Bogars, the, the the Henry Fondas, and you know that, that all those guys. They were all great. That whole era of acting in the '60s, early '60s, '50s, '40s. Uh, you know, Cagney, they were all excellent, but when the method style of acting came in, it became like acting and film became tangible. You felt like they were alive. It was no more, no more cardboard cutouts. And today, one of the best to ever do it, continue to do it. He just kicked ass in the Joe Paterno film uh, that was on HBO, directed by uh, Barry Levinson. Um, it portrayed probably like the last two and a half weeks of Joe Paterno's life, and um, Pacino killed it. He's, he's, if he doesn't win the Emmy, he's getting nominated uh, for the Emmy. Uh, he, 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 he just, his body of work and, and what he's done um, for the longevity of time and the uniqueness and the iconic, whatever the fucking word is, the iconic nature of his performance and the films that he's been in speaks for itself. We're talking about The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, Scarface, of course, Panic in Needle Park, Carlito's Way, Donnie Brasco, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, Carlito, it just goes on in heat, Um, I'm I'm just going off the dome here, Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross killed it, and Justice for All, Sea of Love, um, so many, so many damn films, so many performances. Dick Tracy, uh, that Jack Kevorkian film that was made for HBO uh, a couple of years ago, um, and Justice for All. So many films for such a long period of time, um, and and just, just a game changer, revolution. Um, just there's just it just went on and on and on. It continues to go on and on and on. Uh, later on in the show, like I said, Kevin Corrigan, who you're gonna be like, who? Kevin Corrigan is an actor. If you look up his name right now while you're listening to this primetime podcast, uh, you'll you'll recognize his face. Been in, I think, probably 100 films. Uh, I met him when we did Zebrahead together. Um, He had already been in Goodfellas. He plays Henry Hill's brother. Uh, stop sir in the sauce who put their finger who he, he was the Henry Hill's brother who was in a wheelchair uh, Ray Liotta's brother um, he's been in The Departed he's worked with so many different people over the years he's just he's just such a good actor such a one of a kind actor such a unique actor you've seen him in Pineapple Express um, he's worked with Scorsese two times two fucking times he got invited back to the party um, so I always when I first saw him act when we were doing Zebrahead Honest to God, I remember it clear as day. Uh, we had this scene, and he comes out and he starts screaming at me, and I literally was like, "Oh shit, this guy's like a young Al Pacino." Uh, then we became friends, and we worked together again on True Romance and a movie called Kicked in the Head, and I mean different television shows. We worked together on Dice, we worked together on Public Morals, um, just a bunch of shit. He's a good friend of mine, and and he's such an articulate, passionate actor and a fan of acting and 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 probably his favorite guy uh is 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 al pacino um so i'm gonna talk to him uh, about al uh he's met al uh he's been around pacino he's just got great insight to it plus we're true romance the 25th anniversary of the film true romance we're gonna tell some true romance stories um and and pacino what can i say man pacino's influence and and uh on hip-hop is something that's that's crazy. 
he's probably the most quoted, name-dropped actor in all of hip-hop. Obviously, the great Scarface, uh, Face Mob from Houston, the Ghetto Boys, was he named his, his hip-hop persona after the character that Al Pacino plays in the movie Scarface, Tony Montana. Um, everybody who's anybody has mentioned an Al Pacino character. Um, remember Jay-Z? He said, okay, we reloading. It wasn't him, but it was the other, uh, it was, it was the dude who used to do all the skits on the Jay-Z records. Um, Jay-Z's quoted him, said his name. I remember that one song, Bring It On, he said his name. Uh, I mean, the game mentioned his name a few times. It's just off the top of my head. Raekwon, the chef, he says Al Pacino's name. All my Al Capone, Al Pacino, N-words. Uh, the game has that one song, uh, 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 Breakfast with Al Pacino. Nas has mentioned his name. Helter Skelter, shout out to Sean Price. And Le Fleur, Le Fleur, Le Fleur. Um, they mentioned Al Pacino. I think Al Pacino, if, if any rapper who's had a body of work, I guarantee you they've mentioned Al Pacino. And of course, the culmination is the great Scarface face mob from the Ghetto Boys and of course the, the, the solo icon, which I need to get him on the podcast. We've been talking about it. He, he lives down in Houston, so it's hard to get him. I, I can't do Scarface on the phone. I need to do Scarface in person. Um, and we, we've talked about it a few times, so I need to get him on it. So anyway, we're going to talk about Al Pacino later on in the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast uh, with my man Kevin Cornigan. And trust me, if you're a fan of films, you don't want to miss this conversation, even though you might be like, who the fuck is Kevin Corrigan? Trust me, you do not want to miss this conversation. So listen, this is a primetime podcast, okay? And, and if you listen to the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, you know we've had some some wild shit go, da- go down this year, excuse me, uh, business-wise, which you're not going to get into. Um, but we're taking the fucking... The fucking bull by the horns, okay? We're going to start betting on ourselves. We're not depending on any fucking asshole bleachers. We're not depending on anybody, okay? So we're going to do something ballsy coming up. We're going to do something big. We're going to do something fantastic for the fans, okay? And it's going to be cheap, 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 okay? But it's going to be a little different. Okay, but it's for the hardcore, hard body fans and anybody else that rocks with the best. Okay, on the next episode, I'm going to give direct information. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be fantastic. I'm hyped up about it. G Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, is hyped up about it. And of course, the Dust Brothers are hyped up about it. But let's get down to business. The NFL draft is coming up Thursday. The NFL draft is coming up. And listen, the NFL draft happens. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. And the next thing you know, we got a little break. Boom, we're at NFL training camp. Okay? I've been very clear. My favorite player in the NFL draft is Saquon Barkley, the Penn State running back, the beast. He's a fucking beast. He's an ass kicker. Saquon Barkley. I do not want him getting drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Why the fuck would anybody? When you dream of playing football, unless you're born and raised in Cleveland, and even then, you probably have wandering eyes. Even if you're born and raised in Cleveland and you have a potential to be a first-round pick, of course these guys are going to say, I'm just happy to be in the draft. I'm blessed for the opportunity. Bullshit. Nobody wants to be drafted by the Cleveland Browns. No fucking body. It's a godsend, okay? 
that the chosen one, the self-anointed king, LeBron James, was somehow, some way born in Akron, Akron, Ohio, and he, and he even had the, the humility, and, the, and the, I don't know what the fuck, I don't know what the fuck they were feeding him out there, that he had the wish and the want to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played for them. He left because he's smart. He went back because he's fucking dumb. Kidding. And he won them a championship. But if you are growing up in the state of Ohio, and Ohio is a big-time sports state, if you are growing up as a football player in Ohio, there's no way in hell you're like, I, I just, I just want to grow up and be a Cleveland Brown. Get the fuck out of here. The team was 0-16 last year, and those motherfucking fans celebrated. They could call it a protest. No. No, that ain't a fucking protest. That was a celebration. They were 0-16. We know the history of the Cleveland Browns. They suck. You're not taking my guy, Saquon Barkley. Born in New York, in the boogie-down Bronx, he is meant to be a New York Giant. Look at him. Right now, I'm going to give you my top 10 picks. These are the people. I am telling you right now. I'm a senior fantasy football analyst. Like, I'm waiting. Okay, here it comes. Okay? This is what's going down. 2018 NFL draft players to watch for fantasy football next season. Are you ready? Okay? I am not a senior fantasy football analyst for nothing. Okay? I got that title the right way. I earned it. Sam Darnold, he's the real fucking deal. You, Sammy D, you can enjoy Cleveland because no one else does. You'll learn behind Tyrod Taylor in the bitter, freezing coal. And they will throw you in when the Cleveland Browns are down. Probably three and five, week eight. Number two, my main man, Saquon Barkley. Uncle, former middleweight champion, Iran Barkley. Saquon Barkley will be going number two to the New York Giants. These are my predictions. Mark them down. Number three, the chosen one. Fucking Jewish quarterback. I I can't believe it's happening, but a Jewish quarterback will be coming to New York. The chosen one, Josh Rosen, will be picked number three to the New York Jets. The big, bald Jew is ready for the opportunity. New York is the place that is going to go fucking apeshit for a Jewish quarterback. I got to be honest, I, I didn't think I would ever see the day. But the New York Jet fans and the New York City area, in general, you can even be a a Giants fan. They're going to go fucking crazy for Josh Rosen. You, my friend, are going to be drafted by the New York Jets. Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson will be problems if they land in Miami and Buffalo, Arizona, or New England for the future. Okay? Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, they are going to be problems. Hopefully they land in Miami. Buffalo, Arizona, or New England. I'm going to be honest. I'm not on the Josh Allen train, okay? A lot of people are saying to take him, but anyone saying to take him doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, okay? My man, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, SMU, six foot four monster two guard and friend of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. He's going to be coming to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast real soon. He's a fucking beast. I guarantee you he could do all kind of fancy dunks, but he's taking his talents to the NFL. 
Calvin Ridley of Alabama and DJ Moore of Maryland can make immediate fantasy football impacts. Darius Geis, running back from LSU, 5'11", speedster, overcame a terrible tragedy. His father was murdered when he was five. I'm rooting for this kid. Remember the name Darius Geis from LSU and Rashad Penny from San Diego State. He put that school on his back. He could do it all. Finally, Bo Scarborough. Okay, anybody named Bo is good with me. Alabama running back, six foot two bruiser, who's LeGarrette Blunt-esque. Okay, these are my top 10. Maybe I said 11. These are my players who are going to make an immediate impact in the fantasy football world coming up in the 2018-2019 season. But I want to say it one more time. Cleveland, you fucks you. Do not fucking make any... Don't do it. Leave fucking Saquon Barkley in New York. He deserves to be a giant. Sam Darnold, take him. Take him. He's got that big jaw. He looks like he'll be just fine out in Cleveland. Okay? 2018 NFL Draft players to watch out for in fantasy football. Those are my guys. Um, Obviously, this terrible situation, we, we all heard about it in Tennessee. Uh, sick fuck who doesn't make the sick fuck of the week list because when you when you when you do what he did killing there's nothing funny there's no jokes to be made about it but a true blue sick fuck um came into a a, a waffle house at four in the morning a few days ago with a assault rifle again i said it once i'll say it many many times you never hear any good stories about assault rifles you never hear any, on today's news, we have a good story, a happy ending to a, a story of a guy holding an assault rifle. That never happens. It's always tragedy. Uh, unfortunately, four people were killed. Uh, a hero, a hero who was in the Waffle House after he killed four people, somehow, some way had the, the grit and the, the wherewithal to fight off the guy who was naked. Imagine you're in a fucking a diner at four in the morning and a naked motherfucker comes in there, period, okay? Let alone with an assault rifle and starts shooting people. How frightening, how terrifying, how scary, how life-changing something that would, like that would be. I can't even, I can't even imagine. Um, but this, this kid in there was able to, to get the, the weapon away from him. Uh, uh, the naked sick fuck fleed the scene um he was on the lamb running in tennessee for for about 12 12 hours uh 24 hours approximately something like that you know we don't fact check at the iron rap poor stereo podcast finally he was caught charged with uh four counts of murder amongst other things and and somehow some way a judge granted him a two million dollar bail there's no bail how the fuck can there be bail for a guy that killed four people? There's no $100 million bail, no $20 million bail. You, the judge that granted this motherfucking piece of shit who should be locked underneath a prison in a cement block, okay? There's no bail. What if he came from a wealthy family and somebody was able to bail him out? You could kill four people and then get bailed out? That judge who did that is should be disbarred. They should no longer allowed to be a judge. Who, how, there's no bail for you. You killed four people with an assault rifle in a Waffle House and four and more. That's terrorizing. 
There's no fucking bail. I'm not doing any sick fucks of the week. That judge who granted this piece of shit bail is the only sick fuck of the week that we need to discuss. Crazy. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm going freestyle. I can't remember the kid's name. Uh, he's been all over the news, but God bless you for having the balls and the heart to, to save your own life and, and consequently save more people's lives by, by fighting this sick fuck, uh, the gun, getting the gun away from him. Um, we have a lot of fans in Toronto. Tragedy up there. Terrible, terrible uh, tragedy. Uh, person drove into a crowd killing mass amount of people. Um, my heart goes out to those people. Um, the city of Toronto, uh, you know, we have a lot of fans up there. I haven't spent that much time up there, uh, but good people, beautiful city, uh, very, very, uh, just a unique place. Uh, I'm looking forward to going up there this summer. Um, so my, uh, you know, what can I say? My, my thoughts, prayers, all, everything from the Iron Rap Poor Stereo podcast goes out to uh, those guys. What else is going on? Oh, as predicted... As predicted, I predicted it. I predicted it. Uh, I don't. Even, I could get the date, but I don't fact check. Um, but it was somewhere along the lines of March twenty second, March twenty third. I want to say March twenty third. I'm pretty good with dates when I put my mind to it. Remember when uh, uh, Johnny Cluckhead, Johnny Fuck Up. Remember when Johnny Manziel was popping shit to me, the gringo mandingo, and he had, he had the honor of being dragged and Willie hutched, not only on Twitter, but on this here I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Remember that podcast where I dragged this motherfucker and his crew and we put them on the shame game? One of the things I said to Johnny fucking Cluckhead was when you're out of work, when you're not playing in the NFL, Reach out to the boys at Barstool Sports and tell them to get that podcast ready for you. You're going to need employment. Lo and behold, motherfucker, I was right. Tomorrow night, if you have nothing fucking better to do with yourself, during the NFL draft and after, Johnny Cluckhead, Johnny Fuckup, will be doing a special podcast with barstool sports if you got nothing better to do listen to the analysis of a guy who fucked up all of his opportunities that's the guy you want to hear talking about football that's the fucking guy you want to hear talking about football i predicted it i was right my next prediction i said it once i'm saying it again richie incognito remember the lineman from the uh the miami dolphins the buffalo bills He's the one who was, got into the racial beef with the other offensive linemen, calling him N-word this, N-word that, and all kind of other wild shit. He will be on Barstool Sports, too. That's the kind of scumbags that they go to. Richie Incognito and Johnny Cluckett. I predicted it. I was right. G. Moody, you fuck you. I'm, I'm, I'm the host, Radamus. My predictions come true. You fuck you. G. Moody is nursing a pulled hamstring. That's why he cannot be with me on today's I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, okay? The NBA playoffs are in full swing. Um, this sort of underdog, the sleeper team of the of the playoffs thus far, the New Orleans Pelicans, who play in Smoothie King Arena, 
despite being named the Pelicans and despite playing in the Smoothie King Arena, uh, they they beat the shit out of my guys, the Trailblazers, Evan Turner, C.J. McCollum, Dame Dollar, four-game sweep. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming, but they won. And uh, up next, one of the second-round matchups, one of the only second-round matchups that is set and ready to rock is the Golden State Warriors who beat the San Antonio Spurs. Remember G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, predicted that the San Antonio Spurs were going to beat the Golden State Warriors. What the fuck are you smoking, Duke? They got their asses kicked. Listen, they played gallantly uh, under duress um, with the tragedy of Greg Popovich, their coach, their leader, one of the great voices in all of sports. Uh, His wife passed away seemingly suddenly. Um, uh, but they they still wouldn't have beat them without Kawhi. They just were undermanned, and uh, Manu Ginobili uh, uh, played great during the series. Uh, the big question now: um, the Miami Heat, who also got bumped by the Philadelphia 76ers, who are going to be a problem. Cleveland is still uh, tangling it up uh, uh, with Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, and those guys out in Indiana. But if Cleveland does, in fact, beat Indiana, and it ain't over. The series is tied uh, as of the recording of this I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. Cleveland versus Philly, I think it's over. I think it's fucking over. Whatever. Okay? But Manu Ginobili, the big talk of the NBA is Will Manu Ginobili uh, and Dwayne Wade, um, who's officially uh, uh, bumped out of of the playoffs with the Miami Heat. Uh, These guys are icons, Hall of Famers, first ballot, ASAP. Totally earned it. Uh, nothing was given. Um, will these guys be playing next season? Um, my inclination is that D Wade will be playing next year, um, and I think Manu Ginobili will come back for one more. I don't think they're going to retire. Neither one of them has announced it. Uh, but the NBA is it, it, it's cooking right now. Uh, uh, it's looking like the Rockets are playing uh, the Jazz. If the Jazz continue to kick Oklahoma City Thunder's ass. They beat the shit out of them the other day. Jonas Jarebko, Ricky Rubio, Smoking Joe Ingles, and of course, Rookie of the Year, Donovan Mitchell, and their coach, Quinn Snyder, a.k.a. Duke Snyder, Coach of the Year. Yo, they had OKC ready to like, they looked like they wanted to quit. The Oklahoma City Thunder looked like they wanted to quit. And the question is... After this season, is is what's Russell Westbrook going to do? Because Paul George is leaving, as he should. I think Carmelo's contract has him staying there. But what's going to happen with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Because um, unless some miracle happens and, and Utah totally folds and, and they get injury struck and quick, that series is over. And uh, the Rockets versus uh, the Jazz is going to be a great series. Anyway, the NBA playoffs are under uh, underway. Uh, this is my time of year. We're going to be doing emergency podcast. Um in-game reactions, post-game reactions, um, and I'm going to break down that more. All right, what more can I say? I could tell you this. You motherfuckers, there's a company out there that tried to bite. This has happened before. There's other, there's other companies out there that have referred to their T-shirts as Buttersoft. No fucks. There's other people that have referred to their socks as Buttersoft. No fucks. We invented the whole Buttersoft phenomenon. 
Almost four years ago, we declared the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are butter soft. Get yourself some butter soft t-shirts. This company called Teespring, these fucks, they're trying to bite our sucker shit t-shirt. Look it up, and it ain't butter soft. It ain't a butter soft sucker shit t-shirt. Just don't bite it, just don't bite it. Some company named Teespring has stolen the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast brilliant stroke of genius idea of the sucker shit t-shirt, and they are biting our shit, okay? But all Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts, including the one and only OG sucker shit t-shirt, which is now available in black and in white, the Stickman t-shirt, the Me and G Moody Championship Podcast t-shirt, the Jake t-shirt, the whole Stickman collection, the hard body karate t-shirt, all of them. And you know they are true blue butter soft t-shirts. That means when you wash them, they don't turn into tissue paper. That means when you wash them, they get softer. They don't shrink. An extra, extra large doesn't turn into a medium. It stays extra, extra large. And you know what happens? It gets Softer, hence the title, I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, Buttersoft T-shirts. All I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast Buttersoft T-shirts are available at districtlines.com. Okay, it's Al Pacino's 78th birthday. Kevin Corrigan, character actor, you know his face. If you don't know his name, we are going to break down what Al Pacino means to us. Okay, the greatness of Al Pacino... It's the 25th anniversary of the iconic film that we both happen to be in, True Romance. We're going to tell some stories on the set of True Romance, meeting Christopher Walken, Gary Oldman, the whole deal. Coming up next on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, stay with me, trust me. We are celebrating Al Pacino with my man's special guest, Kevin Corrigan, Kevy Kev, Kev Core from the Boogie Down Bronx. Yo, Mike. <laughs> Kev Core. What's up? Man? How much time you got? I got I got some time. Let's jump into it because I'm over here. I'm working, and it's Al Pacino's 78th birthday. And I'm gonna just flatter you. I've told you this before, but the first time we worked together on Zebrahead. Long, 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 long ass time ago. Long ago. Long ago. When you came screaming at me uh, uh, on the lawn, it was my first movie. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You barely knew what the fuck you were doing, but you definitely knew more than what I did. I remember thinking, this dude reminds me of Al Pacino. And I know you just got to see him in New York. So on Al Pacino's 78th birthday... Because I always equate, and when I think of Al Pacino, and I think of the people who articulate what he means to them, that's why I wanted to call you and talk to you about Al on his birthday. So on Al Pacino's 78th birthday, I'll just pose the question like this, and then you could just, you could just speak on it. What does Al Pacino mean to you? First of all, I, I remember watching, like... Like Al Pacino, the name Al Pacino has been in my my consciousness since I was 
10 years old. Like it was just, I didn't even know who he was. The name was just in the air, like, like Elvis or something, Pacino, Al Pacino. In fact, I remember watching the deer hunter once it was on channel nine and, and, and looking at it and thinking Al Pacino, I was off, you know, obviously he wasn't in that movie, (laughs) but I just saw, you know, uh, a bunch of Italian guys on TV, you know, cursing and, and something was like speaking to me about that New York, these New York voices. He's so New York. Uh, but then it's, he, he started to come into focus for me in the early eighties. And, uh, I started going to the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in around 84. <laughs> and and there was his picture on the wall, you know. Uh, I got to see him speak at, at the Strasberg School October that year, 84. He talked to the, to the students for like four hours. That's dope. And, and he, he was just so generous, you know, Anna Strasberg. Uh, Lee Strasberg's widow in, introduced him or she, she sort of uh, primed the audience. You know, he wasn't in the room at the moment. She was, it was very hush, hush when, when she finally walked in. The place was packed. Everyone wanted to see him. And she said, look, he's just an actor like everyone else here. The, there will be no applause. Everybody just, you know, uh, uh, he, you know, he's going to come in here. He's going to talk with you. Just, I remember that clearly, like, don't, 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 don't give him any applause. And he walked in and you could feel everybody just suppressing their impulse to, to, to scream or, or mm. clap or anything. And he just kind of lumbered in. You felt like you were in the presence of, of greatness, of course. Uh, you felt humbled, but no one was was more humble than him. Mm. You could see it in his body language. His shoulders were all hunched. He had this real like oh shucks kind of like, you know, I'm not that, you know. Uh, and, and and he's still that way. I went to see him as I said like a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a, a Pacino retrospective at the Quad Cinema. And uh, I went to see, I got tickets to see uh, Revolution, mm-hmm. which is not everybody's favorite Al Pacino movie. Uh, I went to see it because it was directed by Hugh Hudson, the English director, who, who was the first person to hire me. Mm. And they were go- both going to be there in person. And uh, it was a nine o'clock screening. Uh, and... They had the Q&A, the, the in-person part of the event, before the movie. I, I thought I might have the chance to, to, to say hello, so to approach him after the movie, but you know he wasn't going to be there at, at 1 o'clock in the morning. I should have known that. But he, uh, he came in, he sat down with Hugh Hudson, and, uh, you know, it was like, uh, uh the, the moderator was, kept looking at his wristwatch and saying, you know, it's, well, it's about 9.15 now. I really don't think we're going to have time for any questions. 
someone raises their hand and Al Pacino goes, yes. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he just totally went over the moderator's head with that. You know, he, he, he opened up the, the room like, uh, uh, he, he wasn't going to let anyone go away disappointed, you know, mm. he just started taking questions and, and making jokes. He's just like, you know, he, he has like a, a humility about him and, uh, something, a quality about him, a very New York quality, like a, uh, an approachable quality, right? you know, like a guy on the street. That's what's always come across to me with Al Pacino. I, I remember I, like, uh, uh, when I was going to the Strasbourg Institute, there were a lot of, uh, actors there who, who took classes, uh, with Charlie Lawton. Charlie Lawton was uh, famously uh, Al's best friend and mentor. And he taught a class at Strasburg. I, I took a makeup class with Charlie one summer. Uh, you know, everybody in the class, you know, like uh, uh, there was a, a group of, of, of actors in that class who were doing a play. And, uh, and uh, Al Pacino came to see the play. Um, one night and I was hanging around this group all the time. They were all older than me, but they all, they all looked like Al Pacino. Uh Everybody, they, I wanted to be in that group. I wanted to be accepted by that group. And I I just hung out with them all the time. I I went to see that play like a bunch of times. And one night, uh, Al came to see the play, uh, in this little 30, 25 seat theater. He ended up sitting right, you know, I remember the, the stage manager was telling me, Al's coming tonight. I was like, I don't believe it. She goes, well, you'll see. If you hang around, you'll see. He sat right in front of me. Were you like, oh, shit? Yeah, I couldn't believe it, you know. There he was. Uh, and afterward, he took everybody down to uh, a diner called the Astor Riviera which is now a Starbucks in, in, in Astor Place. Oh. You and I have been there. Uh, I remember we went when, when it was a diner, uh, when it was the Astor Riviera. Oh. Still. And, uh, you know, it was like a, it was like a, a Wednesday or something. Um, there weren't a lot of people in the place. It was, you know, 1030 at night. We got like a table for, for 10 people and it was Al and his driver and, uh, Charlie Lawton and, uh, the director of the play and the cast and, and me just sitting there. I was like 17 years old. Did you, did he you was sitting one person away from me? There was one person, you know, between me and Al Pacino. I kept like just looking at him sideways you know just like leaning over to just to to try and get uh as much of a look at him as possible and he was just like everyone else there he really was just like a like another uh thespian you know mm. and we were we were talking about he, he was talking about the play and talking about acting and i i just remember him saying one thing in response to somebody i don't know what uh the original uh statement was that he was 
responding to, but I just remember him saying, well, that's it, man. You know, all the world's a stage and the stage is your world. Al said that. Uh, and, um, but he, he was just like really supportive of the people in that group who were doing that, that, you know, little play at, at the Strasburg Institute. And, uh, when you think of like, you know, when you look back, you know, obviously, you know, people know you, you've done a bunch of shit and, but, but, you know, I mean, we, we, we share this, you know, like our love of these actors and there's like a handful of guys that, you know, like there's, there's new guys that come along that we love and respect, but there's like a handful of guys, you know, that me and you have talked about over the years, over, over and over and over and over and over endlessly. Al Pacino, De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Marlon Brando, John Casal, uh, you know, that whole crew specifically Al, you know, now that, you know, you're an actor, you're an accomplished actor, you've done your thing, you have, you know, uh, your own style. Uh, Christopher Walken's another one who's in my case. Like, if if I was going to do something on Christopher Walken, you would be the absolute first person I would call. But specifically Al, on his 78th birthday, when, when I say, describe what his acting style is. Describe what it is about his acting. Going back to the early stuff, because it's evolved and it's changed and it, and, it, and it's turned into a different thing and it's still great. Like, I just saw him in this HBO paternal thing. He was fucking as good as he's ever been. But that early stuff of Panic and Needle Park, obviously Godfather, Serpico, uh, Dog Day, uh, that energy that he had. Talk to me about what you... Like what it is about his acting, his style, his energy, his uniqueness that separates him from all those other great uh, dudes that I just mentioned. He, he has he has this this reality about him that is is so intense and so intensely uh, visceral. Uh, you know when when he's having an emotion. It's it's so obvious that he's having it for real, that it jumps off the screen or off the stage, you know, from him onto you. Mm. Like I always think of Val Pacino, kind of licking his lips, and there's always something like his his lower lip is always wet, and his eyes are always moist. You know, he's his 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 eyes are shining, you know, with. Uh, this eagerness, mm. you know, he's got, he, and he, and he, he has these nervous eyes, these very dark eyes, uh, and they're jumping around like, uh, um, not that, not that they're unfocused. It's just like he's, he's always got his eye definitely on something like a hawk. He's, 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 uh, you know, uh, a very, such an intensely focused actor. He's so eager to, to uh, achieve his his objective, whatever he decides it is, mm. and it's coming out of his heart. You know, his his heart is almost coming up out of his mouth. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's so uh, he's got this eagerness, and you know, he you can see his, his his you know when he's really getting into it, his lips pull back over his teeth, and he's just intense, mm-hmm. and he's he's just like he means what he says. You know, it's like there's this thing about him, like, pick me. Don't look over there. Don't look over. Look at me. At, at me. Put put your attention on me, mm. you know? Uh, and he just looks like he's ready to pounce. He's, he's, you can see it in his, he's got these jaguar-like shoulders. 
He's just like an animal, mm. like a jungle cat. He's just a, like this feral, uh, uh, instinctual, live, uh, quick, you know, furtive, like a tone poet, you know? He's like, I think of Al Pacino is like, he's like the, the Bob Dylan of, of, of the acting world, you know, in the sense that he uh, is so steeped in, in the craft and of acting and not just of acting, but of, but of writing too. He's, he's, he's absolutely like a, a, a Shakespeare scholar, right? which, he you loves know, it. Oh, you know, you, you could call him at three in the morning to talk about Shakespeare. I'm, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know him, but, uh, I think that is probably a conversation that you could always have with him. He is an institution, Al Pacino. He's like, um, you know, we can never lose that man because right. he is a, a font of, of information of the rarest kind. You know, he's, he is a, a connection to, uh, to, uh, you know, culture and the culture of, uh, of, uh, the theater, the culture of New York City. You know, he's, he's like, uh, Kind of, I'm, I'm, it, it's crazy that it's taken this long for Pacino and Scorsese to work together, given how how important each of them, uh, those men are, respectively, to New York, New York City. Are you are you, you know? in that film? Are you in the Are you in the Irishman? No. Oh, you fuck. Yeah. God damn it. Uh. No. I, I didn't make the team. Uh, no, nah, I know, I know. It's, 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 it's. Trust me, I didn't make the fucking team either. You, you, you've made the team. You've made the team twice, but I mean that would have been a good fucking team to make. Trust me, I, I feel the yeah. same fucking way. Um, but one that, of my, yeah, that, you know, and then the hunger to be on that team. Oh, you know what it what it brings up in, in, a, in a in an aspiring actor of a certain age. You know, uh, like that, that, that quality, that like salivating quality that I associate with De Niro, that please fucking give this, this is mine. This is mine. You know, like he's, he's, uh, you know, Al Pacino makes, you know, like acting, you know, acting is, is like this delicious thing mm. to him. He, he's, uh, um, He's such a great actor, such a great uh, uh, drama person of the theater. Um, he, he's he's uh, he's a real artist. It, like that word is thrown around a lot, and I don't even like. I've just sort of come to terms to even. I don't even know if I say it publicly, but like to understand what that is, like what an artist is. But that motherfucker is a true blue artist, like straight up. Like you could see it in him. Even when he's not acting, like when you see that guy walking down the street, if you didn't know he was Al Pacino, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's some crazy artist," <laughs> right? If you didn't know yeah, him, you'd be yeah, like, "That's you, some." You look, you look at how that guy dresses. You look at his hair. He's 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 an eccentric. He's a a weirdo, you know. Uh, and he he's like uh, like you say, an artist. Like a you know, his shirt's untucked. He's got this untucked quality about him <clears throat> uh when he was at uh the, the screening of revolution did you get to say anything to him 
I sat, I was all the way in the back of the, of the room. You know, I was at the end of the line. I bought my tickets on Fandango and then they couldn't find the ticket. <laughs> so I was like, um, one of the last ones in. Therefore, I sat in the second or third to last row. And, uh, and then he, they, they brought Hugh Hudson and Al in, in, into the theater and, uh, I wasn't even, I wasn't thinking of saying anything, uh, cause I, I couldn't think of anything to say. Uh, and it really wasn't that important to me to, to, to say anything at that point until I heard, you know, people asking questions. And I, I, I thought I could think of a better question to ask. And then, you know, and once I started to consider that the Hugh Hudson was sitting up there, like I've, you know, I've had dinner with Hugh Hudson once or twice over the past <laughs> 30 years, you know, we have mutual friends, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Hugh Hudson would certainly know what it meant. If, if I raised my hand and said, Hugh, it's me, mm-hmm. it's Kevin Corrigan. Kevin Corrigan, that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I, I finally, but like they couldn't see me raising my hand. I was sending SOS signals after a while. You were so in the back when, of the fucking back. Yeah, and then the moderator, this <coughs> uh, guy, uh, Gavin, uh, said, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we have time for one more question. I, I, I was like practically standing on my chair. <laughs> And and really shaking at that point because I thought if I don't say something now, this opportunity will never. This is it. This is it. This is as close as I'm ever going to get. Um, and and I I was like really nervous, you know. Uh, but um, Al himself, you know, saw me and pointed at me. And I said, I, I, and I had to raise my voice, you know, because I was all the way in the back. I said, that man, you, 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 Al Pacino changed my life. You know, I'm from the Bronx, like you, because he talked about it. I think that's what made me want to ask the question was that uh, it was Hugh Hudson said, to, uh, they were trying to remember, how did Al get the job in Revolution? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the question. And uh Al, Al couldn't remember. <laughs> he couldn't remember why he did the movie, except that he liked Hugh. And he liked his films. And Hugh was like, well, I've only, I'd only made two up to that point. And uh, uh, he was, yeah, but you're a great filmmaker. And I don't know, why did you cast me? <laughs> and, uh, and Hugh Hudson said, well, you know, we wanted to make this movie about, takes place in New York City in 17, you know, 74 or whatever. But it's still a New York story, and it needed someone who's from New York, like a New York native, like this character. And that's what you are. You're from the Bronx. And I, I, I my heart started beating. I was like, I'm from the Bronx. He's talking about me. Uh-huh. See, and I, and I, I thought, you know, this is, uh, I have to say something. No one else in this room has to say what I have to say. Very personal, you know, a connection. To, to, to both these men, in one case, very, very directly, you know, uh, uh, well, both of them pretty, uh, I mean, they've, those, they've, you know, they've kind of been in my life, you know, for more than half my life, all of most of it at this point. 
So anyway, I, I, I said that, and I, I said, you, you inspired me. I was from, I'm from the Bronx. You made me want to be an actor. <laughs> not, not, I mean, obviously not just him, De Niro, of course, but you know, I'm in the room with Al. I'm just talking to him. And, and that's, that's pretty on the, on, on the money enough, you know, uh, he's, uh, uh, you know, someone I've uh, I've been wanting to tell this to for a long time, and I I, I told it to him. You know, uh, what would he say? He says, "Did uh, ah oh all right? Did you see the movie? Did you see the film? Meaning revolution?" I said, "No, I I, I well yes I I have seen it, but I haven't seen it since you added the narration and." I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I sat down. And that was it? Uh, uh, yeah, you, you know, I, I said, you you changed, you made me want to be an actor. And, and I started going to school at the Strasburg Institute. And then the guy sitting next to you gave me my first job in, in the movie, in films. Hugh Hudson. And, uh, and, and Hugh, Hugh saw me and he, you know, waved and it was uh um you know people were turning around to, to look what, the fuck? what film was it revolution no <laughs> no the film that he cast you in oh the film that Hugh Hudson cast me in it was called lost angels okay and uh it, it was um uh, it was cast by nancy foy uh-huh. and uh it starred adam harvitz from the Beastie Boys. This is like pre Paul before Paul's boutique. Uh uh like eighty eight. He was gonna uh you know, have an acting career. Jeez, he was in a film with Chloe Seven this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always dabbled in acting. He he should. He got a good personality. He's fucking beastie boy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, he has an, a, a very uh, a pretty direct, like uh, 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 no degrees of separation <laughs> connection to Al Pacino because his father, uh, Israel Harvitz, wrote one of Al's first theatrical triumphs, uh, the the Indian wants the Bronx, right? The play and. Uh, uh, and so there was, you know, uh, Adam Harvitz and me and, uh, yeah, a bunch of other kids, um, you know, uh, uh, everybody wanted to be in that movie at that time because it was, it was, uh, it was Hugh Hudson's first film since Revolution. Right. Uh, he, he, both he and Al had taken four years or five years off after that movie. Uh, um, it, it was like a, a notorious uh, failure, right? Uh, in 1985, and uh, um, someone asked me, did you, "Did you stay to watch the whole thing?" I said, "Of course I did." Right? You know, I, I doubted myself in, in the first place. I couldn't believe, you know, but I wanted to see it, you know. I and and I thought it was awesome. I, I thought Al Pacino was. Fantastic in in the movie Revolution. They always and kill him about was, his accent. I thought it was a great that. movie. It was kind of it reminded me of Gangs in New York in a little right. bit of a way. Um, and uh, but he he gives a really heartfelt performance, and and it's uh, and they, and he and it's great to hear his voice 
in the narration that they put over the over the movie in mm. the past five years, they've been tinkering with it and you know trying to you know uh, they're not expecting it to to come out and you know be the box office uh, success that it never was. They they just wanted to they like the movie. It was a, a a labor of love for them, you know, and they didn't they didn't abandon it. You know, all these years later, they still like. Are thinking of ways to make the film better. Uh, I loved it. I, I I thought it was a great movie. Now, all right, before I let you go, because I'm over here doing my shit, I've been reminded. Me and you have worked together a bunch of fucking times, but I've been reminded and been, it's been brought to my attention twenty five fucking years since we did True Romance twenty five years ago. 25 fucking years ago. Can you believe that shit? 25 years ago it came out. Yo. 25 fucking years ago. And, and I mean, so with me, me and you met, we were doing Zebrahead. Everybody was hyped up about True Romance. The script was being, uh, you know, talked about. There was no email. You read the script. People had the script. Uh, you know, you physically read the script. Um, we had a good time on that set. We were like uh, two kids in a candy store. I specifically remember driving to set either together or being in a van together. And I, I don't think they put me up. Like I didn't. I didn't. You know, most a lot of times you stay in a hotel when you work on a movie, and they fly you to L.A. I stayed with you. Mm-hmm. I remember, and I remember going to the set one day. We were like kids in a candy store, and I remember I th- either we were in a van or we were physically driving, like I drove us to set. I think I might have been driving, and we were driving to set, and Christopher Walken, while we were in a car, we saw him in a black trench coat walking over to the, 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 the food truck, and you saw him. You were like, oh, shit, there's Christopher Walken, and, and, and I was like, you got to go talk to him. You got to go talk to him. And I don't remember if you did or you didn't. I know it was like, I thought maybe you did. It was a brief sort of, you know, encounter. But what do you, like, you have such a good memory. What do you remember about the making of True Romance? Because that's a film that, that fortunately, you know, has stood the test of time. People love that fucking movie. Um, We loved making it. We loved being in it. We were both so excited to be a part of it in any way, shape, or form. So 25 years later, what do you remember uh, uh, about that set, what's your best true romance story? Uh, I well, first of all, I, I just want to say about what I remember. I definitely remember us like driving around with you driving because I didn't drive at the time. Oh shit! I didn't know how to drive. I didn't have any interest in driving. Right. And, uh, Can you uh, drive now? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I think like I've ever drive. been driven by you, and I and I think I'm going to keep it that way. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, you like you were the one who went up to walking at that moment. You know, I was I, I, the, the way I usually am, which was like I, I, I say I'm not bothered. I'm not going up. I'm like that. And you I were remember. like, let's let's forget that man. Let's go talk to him. And you just and, and and he was like I remember he lit up you know well we were in, I think this was in the I remember it being a makeup trailer 
And then we just walked in on him while he was getting his hair done or, or I guess no one, he doesn't let anybody touch his hair. Well, whatever, whatever he was doing, you just sort of went right up, right over to him. And, uh, uh, he, he seemed delighted. Uh, but you have that effect on people. <laughs> you, you know, you see, I, I probably thought, see, this is a guy who knows what Al Pacino's talking about when he says all the world's a stage. <laughs> and the stage is, but especially the part about the stage being your world. Mm. It's, it's a stage, but it's your stage. Mm-hmm. It's your world. And you do that. You know, you were doing that then, you know. And that was uh, like a set full of, you know, people who uh, who walked the world like it's the stage, you know, uh, Gary Oldman, Tom Sizemore. Uh, uh, I don't need to go down the list of, of, you know, of all the fucking scene chewers in that film. Yeah, it was so many of us. Uh, and, uh, um, but I, I remember... Uh, a lot of stuff. I remember Tony Scott yeah. quite a bit, you know, like, uh, uh, I remember when me, Vic Argo, mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Ben Victor and Frank Adonis and myself, we were like the four for five, uh, uh, wise guys, mm-hmm. uh, the mafia crew, uh, that was looking for, uh, uh, Clarence, I guess. And, uh, Christian Slater's character. But we, you know, we, uh, uh, we all got fitted for our costumes and, and then Tony Scott wanted to see, see us together. We were all, you know, our makeup and our, our wardrobe was all finalized. We were the guys now, uh, the crew and, and Tony wanted to check us out. And then he was like, uh, I remember him just like lighting up when he saw us, you know, he's like, Oh shit, this is great. You know, like, uh, he was like a, he, I remember Tony Scott, just, he was like a kid in a mm-hmm. candy store. Never mm-hmm. mind us. He was like, you know, watching him, just like watching the kid on, you know, uh, Christmas day, opening presents. Like, well, look at this, check this out. Look at, you know, what we're going to get to do. Uh, look where we're going to get to shoot. Look at this lens here. Look at all this stuff. Look at this. We're going to have like a great fucking time on this thing. And yep. we did. It was just like every moment of, you know, the way people enjoy watching that movie is how, I mean, we enjoyed being there for the making of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and just being around all those people. I remember Telly Savalas visiting the set. Really? Not even in the, in the movie, but part of my, uh, true romance experience was, was that one day when he came to the set, I don't know what he was doing there. Uh, but I never heard he about was. this. Fucking yeah, Kojak. Yeah, yeah. I, I should ask somebody cause he definitely came, came through with a little like entourage. That's dope. <laughs> like, oh, um, and we were in like, <clears throat> yeah, we, we filmed inside the ambassador. It was the ambassador hotel before they tore it down. Where with, Robert uh, F. Kennedy uh, got shot. With, and everybody was going down to the basement where, where you know, the, the spot was marked, I, I think. I remember. Fashion. We took that tour together. I remember seeing it. It was like in that kitchen. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah that was that was bugged out. Uh, All right, listen, Kev, let me let, me let you go. 
you know, this is an impromptu I Am Rappaport stereo podcast because uh, when I realized it was Al, Al Pacino, Al, Al's birthday, I said, I got to, you were the first person I thought about. Um, I'm glad you, um, yeah, yeah, this is, I knew it was coming up uh, I, and uh, I didn't, I thought he was, I didn't know he was going to be, it was like 70, 77, 76. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for calling. Of course, man. You know what we didn't talk about is Tony Monero in Saturday Night Fever staring at himself in the mirror in his black bikini underwear, noticing his character's Serpico poster in the background, and then taunting his grandmother, quoting not Serpico, but Dog Day Afternoon, and saying... Attica, Attica, Attica. Because John Travolta's character in Saturday Night Fever, being a Brooklyn boy, uh, Italian Brooklyn boy, obviously at the time in the 70s, Al Pacino was everything. Um, and then, you know, in Saturday Night Fever also, uh, the girl uh, kisses John Travolta's character, Tony Monero, uh, while he's dancing. And she says, I just kissed Al Pacino. I never thought about that. Honestly, I never, I, don't, I, I, I never, that's an overlooked detail for me that, that, that he was referenced twice. Twice. In that movie. Twice. Two fucking times. <laughs> twice. He, that was his idol. That was like, it made perfect sense. Um, but yo, I appreciate you you rocking with me, uh, you know, real quick on the fly, and uh, you know, I've been wanting to have you on. I need to do the full Kevin Corrigan uh, because you've done so much and you got so many fans, and you're you know, like all, all your Goodfellas stuff, your Departed stuff. I mean, you got fucking stories up the wazoo. So, so when I come to New York, we got to do the the, the full uh, the full Kevin Core. All right, Mike. All right, I want to thank my man Kevin Corrigan. I told you it was going to be good um, for rocking with me on the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. Uh, I, I knew he was the guy to to get uh, impromptu uh, podcasting in prime time to talk about uh, the greatness and the uh, influence of the artist, Al Pacino. On the next episode of the I Am Rap Poor Stereo podcast, G Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, will be back. What can I say? Miles Jordan, take us out of here with Smacker. Take us out of here with something real, real nice, real funky. <laughs>